This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW, void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus ready play good afternoon Good morning. Good evening. I forgot to take away the overlay, but that is this, one of the smallest mistakes I've made in talking tennis <laughs> history. So that gives you some indication of some of the other errors that I've uh, um, committed over the last, well, eight, nine months. And I'm really pleased to be joined uh, by Will Buczek from the Tennis Tribe once again, which is sort of a frequent thing that we do post Grand Slam or if doubles are in the headlines at any other moment as well as they occasionally are. I uh, remember Riley Opelka certainly uh, brought yeah. us together, Will, for a show uh, at one point. But um, Riley Opelka aside, we are here to talk about some of the winners and some of the not winners, if you like, uh, <laughs> at the French Open. Give us a broad view on the, the doubles tournaments as a whole. Yeah, so um, it's interesting. Roland Garros, I feel like, usually creates... I don't know if they say this about singles as well, but I, I feel like it's definitely um, a little bit of an equalizer. I know a lot of people say that it's, it's their favorite uh, of the four majors because um, the points seem to be longer. Uh, that also seems to be true uh, on the double side. Um, there's a lot fewer, especially on the men's side, fewer points where it's, um, you know, serve and then a first volley and that's the end of the point, right? That you have some more, um, exciting points. And because of that, uh, I think this is the third or fourth year in a row for on the men's side where there's um, been sorry, my some doubles there. action in the background there, Will. <laughs> yeah. Um, where there's been an unseated team uh, in the uh, final. Um, okay. So I, I feel like that can happen more. And um, one thing I did notice, I was looking through the draws again earlier is there were this year was a little different because there was a lot of straight set victories um on both sides uh so in 2022 from the quarterfinal on uh six of the seven matches were three setters whereas this year only one out of seven were three setters on the men's side uh the women's side also had a lot of straight straight set uh matches so um i felt like there was a little less drama in terms of uh the the tennis matches this year but um there was some kind of in-between points uh off the court uh drama that we'll get into i'm sure we will i'll tell you what let's start with that actually um let's talk about that drama that you're referring to which of course is uh the disqualification uh through I don't know, Will. What, what would you call it? Um, it could be described as being careless. It could be described, I know, by some as you know, against the rules. Uh, what what happened? I'll, I'll let me. I'll tell you what happened. Actually, oh, I'll tell our audience uh, what happened. We had this match mm-hmm. between um, Suchadi or Suchiadi and Kato mm-hmm. on one side of the net, and Buskova and Cerebos Tormo on the other. 
In a mm -hmm. way, Bruskova and Saribas Tormo became the story even more than the pairing that got disqualified. I'm going to see if I can just share a couple of images at least on the screen as, as I talk us through this. And as we can see from the circle here, what occurred was, uh, I think it was Kato, right? The Japanese player who just sort yeah. of, you know, you, you know the end of the point. Well, I mean, you know, but I'm telling the audience. The end of the point, you kind of go, okay, um, here you go. Here's the ball, going to knock it back to the side of the net. And unfortunately, this uh, stray ball ended up hitting the the ball girl. Now, mm. okay, let's. Let, it, it was accidental, right? I'm not saying we will get to the, whether it should have been a disqualification right now, but it was accidental, right? There was no intent. Am I right on that? Yeah, I don't think anybody who's watched the video has said she did that on purpose. Um, right. It was very, and people who know her, uh, yeah, she she doesn't do things like that. So no. was, definitely accidental. Who, who had won the previous point or game? I should say there was obviously a moment. Had they just had they just won the previous game or on? You know, I, I, I'm making the case here just because. I know yeah. when Djokovic, when that happened with him, very similar incident, if mm -hmm. people I'm sure remember that one, he had just been broken serve and he was frustrated. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I'm, go on. I, th I think they had just lost the previous point, I believe, okay. if I remember that correctly. Um, but yeah, this it, it's similar in that she hit someone at the back um, above kind of the shoulder area. Uh, but if you watch it, it, it was not, she did not hit this ball out of fresh frustration like Djokovic right. did in the U S yeah. open. Um, he definitely was turning, was not looking and was hitting it. He didn't smack it against the fence super hard, but he was hitting it against the, the back wall out of frustration. And this was not that. Do the rules, what, what do the rules suggest on this? And of course, this is across tennis, not just doubles. What do the rules suggest? Do they take into account in, in, in intent or, or, or what's the score on that front? No, I mean, I, I read one article about it that, that kind of pulled the, um, the rule from the rule book. And there, there's essentially, there's not a rule on it um, as far as uh, Roland Garris goes. And it looked like, um uh from what i remember um they don't address this directly and this is an area that i think tennis as a whole maybe that the, there's so many different organizations so it's hard to know um who would be responsible for this whether it's the atp wta french federation and then each grand slam does it their own way i don't know but they do need to revisit this because if you look at other sports, like um, basketball is the example I was going to bring up, like in the U.S. and the NBA, um, there's different levels of flagrant fouls is what they call them. So there can be um, forcible contact to the head or neck area um, is a term that I think they use in American football as well. Um, the w words like intentional, words like egregious um, are in a lot of those rules. And tennis just doesn't have something like that. And I think some kind of escalated rule um, would help a lot to where it's like if there is intent uh, and then first of all, to get to all this, they need to be able to review it right with video. Um, but if there is intent, like in the case of Djokovic 2021 US Open, mm -hmm. then it needs to be a more severe penalty versus in this scenario, you watch that it's clearly not intentional. Um, it's clearly not out of frustration. Um, so the rules are very gray, uh, to answer your question. There really um, aren't very distinct rules uh, that are to be followed here. Sadly, uh, their final appeal, if you like, because, of course, the, the decision to disqualify them was uh, pretty swift. Well, I mean, there was actually initially, there was no mm -hmm. major issue, right? And it was the objections of their opponents, uh, Buskova and uh, Saribas Tormo. It was their mm -hmm. objections that then brought the, which is probably the biggest debate, at least as far yeah. as Twitter sphere is concerned. What did you think about their conduct? Because it was their conduct that basically got their opponents disqualified. Otherwise, they would have probably continued the match. In fact, I'm sure they would have done. Yeah. Um, the umpire was okay. The umpire wasn't... I 
Right. The umpire, it, it seemed like the umpire was not going to disqualify her. And then uh, somebody else stepped out onto the court. I guess it was the head referee, maybe. Um, yeah. And and then they that she was disqualified. Uh, I think for um, Buzkova and, and um, her partner, I think... I think it's a little bit kind of low class to me. Like, yeah, I, you don't want to win a match like that. Right. Like, um, I, I don't know. Like if it were something where she had done it intentionally or out of frustration, then maybe I would get it a little more, but like they have played against each other before I'm sure. And like, they know that she wouldn't do something like that. Um, so I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to win a match like that. I, I feel like you kind of let that slide and you, you keep playing the match. Um, so I don't know. That's my thoughts on it. But um, I know there's money on the line. Uh, so, yeah, I guess you try to win any way you can in, in certain cases. It's a pretty broad thought, though. I think most people uh, feel the same. I don't know if there was one of the two, Buskova or Cerebus Tormo, that was slightly more vociferous than the other. And humans being humans, we can sort of get carried away and there can be a leader in any group and then we end up following that. And I don't know. To be honest, I'd have to, you know, get, I'd have to know the two, uh, you know, the two players a lot better, really. Um, right. That's for sure. But um, it's a pity because I think both of those players are fairly popular, at least on the singles tour. So he was mm-hmm. talking about had an epic match, I think a day or two later with Hadaj mm-hmm. Meyer and, and, and is a pretty popular figure on the tour. Uh, so, he's, so he was talking So, yeah, but the reason I, I mentioned there was a final defeat, if you like, for Kato today. And there's a happy ending to this story, and we'll get to it in a second. But uh, yeah. Kato took to Twitter again just today to say that um, I think it was her first match on grass hadn't gone quite to plan. And not only that, she had kind of a couple of defeats because the French Open still did not reverse the decision to fine uh, her and her partner, I guess, as well. I think they were both fined, am I right? Or at least they didn't get their prize money. So basically the final sort of kick in the teeth occurred in the last sort of few hours, as it turned out, and it's been an ongoing story. But Mm. good news, Will. What happened in the mixed doubles? So she went on to win the mixed doubles title. Uh, I guess it was around a week or so later. Um, yeah. So that was, uh, I don't know, I guess a silver lining kind of. Uh, I guess the yeah. two aren't particularly I mean, related, but but maybe it kind of motivated her to um, and her partner to kind of push for the, the mixed doubles yeah. title, um, which they won. And, and back to the... Um, the incident, I, I think the takeaway from something like this is like, is there controversy around it? And really there wasn't like every single person on Twitter, all of the articles, everyone was on her side. Like no one thought she should have been disqualified. No one thought she should have been fined, taken her prize money, um, taken her, her points away. So like, that's when, you know, okay, they need to fix this problem like that there's something wrong here um in a lot of cases like Djokovic 2021 like there was controversy there was arguments on both sides he should be disqualified he should not be disqualified and I saw both arguments in that case but in this one it was just so unintentional and you see just as often or, or way more often you'll see the player do the exact same thing she did and the ball person's looking and they catch it it happened to be the case that the ball person was not looking and then she yeah. saw it at the last minute and then it hit her in the face. So that's like, that's not on Kato. It's not on the ball person either. Like the ball person can't always see the ball that's coming to them. Uh, it's just an unlucky incident. Um, so, you know, maybe a point penalty or something, but nobody thought she should have been disqualified. But anyways, they did go on to win the um, the mixed doubles title, which was um, – I was happy to see. Uh, I think a lot of people were rooting for her. Yeah, but I think there's a, a little bit of a, a funny tale regarding the final itself on the mixed doubles because we also had on the other side of the net uh, Michael Venus, but alongside Michael Venus was Bianca Andreescu. Does she have any doubles pedigree? Uh, not a lot. Um, 
Yeah, I, let me look up her uh, doubles history at Grand Slam. Yeah, let me just read up the sort of the, what happened in the final. So Kato and the, I think it's German uh, guy Tim Putz, they uh, uh -huh. were on the successful team, defeating Andrescu and Venus uh, four six six four, and then ten six in the tiebreak to win the mixed doubles title. Um, yeah, but Andrescu was a, a name I probably didn't expect to see in a in a doubles right. uh, final. But but you know maybe there's something there. So Grand Slam doubles results. Uh, this is actually worse than I expected. <laughs> she she made the first round of the U.S. Open in 2019, and that is it. She has not played women's doubles in another Grand Slam, and this it looks like was her first Grand Slam to ever play mixed doubles. Well, maybe there's um, something there. Then there's a there's a pedigree being built, perhaps. There should be. Um, that is uh, that's impressive. And Michael Venus does have a history of playing. Okay. I think he won the men's title uh, at the French Open um, twenty eighteen with Ryan Harrison or twenty seventeen maybe. Um, so he, so he's he's been good on clay in the past. Um, so it was not super surprising to see him there. But yes, Andreescu was a, a bit of a shocker um, to see in the final there. Any other big storylines, would you say, from the, the mixed doubles tournament? Um, not a lot. I, I, to be honest with you, I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of it because they seem to to schedule the mix so early. Uh, okay. So for me, a lot of those matches were at 4 a.m. my time. So I, I just did not get up for those. Um, uh, but um, yeah, not a whole lot else on the mix side. I, I think um, another women's story that uh, I know we wanted to talk about was the Czechs. Um, yeah, well, so, um, the winners are, well, let's, you know, let's start with the, with the checks because how shocking was that on a sort of, you know, seismic level, if you like the, the departure of them in the first round, I think it was, or was it the second, um, first, first round, first round. So, yeah. you know, when was the last time they'd even lost a grand slam match? So they lost a grand slam in 2021. Uh, at the U.S. Open, so it's been about a year and a half. Getting on for um, yeah, good. Getting on for a sort of almost two, two years, years, really. Yeah, right. Yeah, now yeah. they had missed one or two tournaments in that period, right? So they missed uh, Roland Garros last year because I, I think Krejcikova was COVID. injured. She had, she yeah, got, she, she, had she COVID. lost her first right. round match. I think she got COVID. Her first round singles okay. match. That's right. So they won the other three that they entered last year. Um, Aussie Wimbledon US and then came back and won Aussie this year. Uh, so it was becoming and, and Hanlon and I have both written about it and talk, we talked to them at the WTA finals last year and it was kind of becoming the most difficult thing to do uh, at a Grand Slam um, is mm -hmm. beat the Czechs in a full with add two out of three set match. Um, it just they had won four in a row and a few teams had taken them to three sets, but um, I think in those four Grand Slams, they had only gone to three sets six times. And three of the four, they only lost one set the entire tournament. Um, so, yeah, it, it, to lose first round was shocking. Now, Siniakova was coming off of an injury. Um, so okay. they uh, there is that to consider. But... Um, that's happened over the last couple of years. I mean, they've come off injuries and come back and won their first tournament back. So it was still, um, yeah, really surprising. Uh, the other thing I will say is at the Australian Open this year, they won the tournament. They lost one set. It was in the first round, and it was against Yorike uh, Ikiri. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, so she was playing with Catherine Harrison. Uh, at the time, and that okay. was their only set lost at the Australian Open. So um, that was Ikiri, a tiny clue. That was a tiny clue, at least. Yes. Yeah, so, so Ikiri seems to maybe have some kind of uh, tell on them or strategic advantage or, or something about their game that matches up well. Um, but I was still, yeah, definitely blown away by that result. Okay, so let's progress through the you know the women's doubles uh, tournament uh, and let's get to the final. What did you make of the women's doubles final? So, um, Shay, it's unbelievable what she did in only her I don't know third tournament back, something like that. I know she came back for Madrid, um, 
and played maybe one or two since then. Uh, after taking off um, almost two years, really. Uh, so she goes on to win the title with uh, Shin Yu Wong. Um, and really, this was kind of a missed opportunity, I thought, for for Coco and Jessica. Uh, they made the final. Um, they made the final last year and lost and have been kind of one of the more consistent teams in majors the last couple of years. I mean, they've really uh, probably been the second best women's doubles team next to the Czechs the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the Czechs went out early, it seemed like the draw was kind of in their favor to to move forward. But uh, Layla Fernandez and Taylor Townsend played a great match against them. Um, and they're no easy team to beat anyways uh, in the semifinals. Um, but yeah, I mean, the story of the tournament's definitely Shay's comeback. Uh, she, um, like I said, had just come back during Madrid. And let me pull up the teams she beat. I'd also like to know about Leila Fernandez and her sort of capabilities, do you think, long-term as a, as a doubles player? Yeah, so Hanlon actually just wrote an article on them that, that we published earlier this week. Um, I'll have a look, look at that, yeah. But so Shay and Wong beat um, an unseated team in the first round, so Putin Seva and her partner. And then from there, they beat the nine seed, the five seed, the 15 seed, which was Kudermatova and Samsonova, mm-hmm. who are probably not a 15 seed. They're probably like more like a top five seed. Um, uh, Melikar Martinez and Perez is six seed. Fernandez and Townsend the ten seed. Um, so those are all potentially like Grand Slam final matches. Um, really, like you wouldn't be shocked at all to see any of those uh, one, two, three, four, five teams um, in a Grand Slam final because Mladenovic won the French Open last year. Um, Zhang Shui is a very good doubles player. Kravchik and Schurz have been one of the best teams throughout the clay season. Uh, Kudermatova and Samsonova already have a Masters 1000 title this year. I think they made the finals of another one. Melikar Martinez and Perez have been one of the best teams, um, certainly last fall. Uh, they were, and then around this time last year, they started to pick it up. Um, and then Fernandez and Townsend have had, I think they're in the top eight in the race as well. So uh, just a really, really good draw and really good tournament from uh, Shea and Wong. And I have just found the article you were referring to from Hanlon here regarding Fernandez and Townsend. Of course, they yeah. are at opposite ends of their career. Is that a is that a common tactic in doubles? Is it a good tactic to sort of have maybe someone with a bit more legs and someone with a bit more experience, and then that that recipe yeah. sort of you know breeds success? Success. Yes. So um, I actually spoke with them in uh, Charleston and it was their third tournament together. So they played the Sunshine Double, made the finals in Miami, I believe. Um, Or no, they won Miami uh, or made the finals. I'm not sure. But regardless, they made a run in Miami. Um, And Taylor said they had almost never spoken to each other before they teamed up. Uh, and I asked Layla about that. What's it like playing with Taylor? who has got so much experience. She's been a good doubles player for a long time. And I think it does help. Um, Layla said she's able to just kind of listen to Taylor. Taylor calls the shots. And then Layla just goes out and executes and doesn't really have to think as much about um, what to do. She just executes the, the kind of game plan. Um, so I do, I do think it does help. Uh, they also said that they they had a goal to make the year in finals this year, which was really encouraging um, because it's great for doubles when a, a team like this, especially someone with as much singles popularity as uh, Layla Fernandez has, uh, plays doubles. Um, so uh, yeah, they're a really good team. They're fun to watch, and one of the things that makes them so difficult is they're both left-handed. So you almost okay. never you almost never play a team where both players are left-handed. Uh, so it it kind of makes everything a little more awkward for their opponents. Does but but generally again if if you know off the top of my head as someone who has a lot less knowledge, especially tactically about doubles than than you would have, I uh, will. 
but but to me it would make sense to have two people at opposite ends of the career if that makes if you like um mm -hmm. i think in tennis you know singles you probably just want the, the peak would be sort of 29 30 years old or whatever but actually in doubles i think it could work quite well to have that uh, on top of that i would have thought you know a left-hander and a right-hander would probably be a good combination uh, mm -hmm. unless unless of course you're both weak on the backhand side and then balls down the middle or, or am I um, what 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 are your thoughts I mean it, right now it's maybe you're right because they're both left-handers and it's a bit fresh but maybe mm -hmm. they could get figured out I don't know yeah we'll see um I I think you know you do see a lot of lefty righty combos and typically uh they're gonna play with four hands in the middle so the lefty will return from the deuce court Got it. um and that that is what what I usually recommend. Um, all else equal, but um, will sorry, I'm gonna, I want to stop you here because I've got a a personal question about doubles tennis. If yeah. you are stronger on the forehand, okay. So take myself. I've got a, a better forehand than my backhand. My backhand's getting better, and, it, and but it still needs huge amounts of improvements. Mm -hmm. The general consensus is that you should be in the the juice court to receive if there was somebody who let's say we're both right handers and my partner and i uh, he's got a really good uh, say a backhand i've got a really good forehand that would make sense for me to be on the right hand side and that's the juice court i believe to receive and mm -hmm. he would take the ad court to receive is that is that the general sort of thing so so therefore i'm anticipating a serve going out wide to yeah. my forehand yeah it it kind of depends um so in general, yes, but there's a lot of caveats where that's not true. A lot, a lot of situations okay. where that's not true. So like I, for example, uh, prefer my forehand to my backhand ground stroke, uh, but I can hit a good backhand return. So uh, I'll yeah. still, so I'll still, cause the return and the ground stroke are not the same thing. Completely so, agree. Completely so agree. I, I will play the ad court a lot and I'll hit the backhand return well. And then mm -hmm. if the ball comes back to me, I'll just run around my backhand because I'm only yeah. having to cover half the court. So yeah. I'll I'll still play the ad court and I'll go an entire match without hitting a backhand ground stroke. I'll hit plenty of backhand returns, um, yeah. but I'm able to run around my backhand ground stroke. So I, I think in a lot of cases that makes more sense. Uh, but in doubles, in doubles, it's a bit easier to run around. Um, it's that's how it yeah. feels. I mean, you get more maybe because of the size of the court and the dynamics of the points. For whatever mm -hmm. reason, it, it does tend to be because I'm I'm running around a lot, and yeah. on in singles I can't run around as often as I can in doubles. Yeah, I mean you're not covering as much court, and then also exactly. most of the rallies are going to be cross court. So, yeah. um, because the ball's traveling a longer path cross yeah. court, you've got more time to run around. So, um, you know, a lot of that's going to depend on uh, your return preference preferences your agility and ability to run around you know if you're um a lot of club level players who may be in their you know 60s and have a knee replacement or something may not be able to run around their back end as easily as as i can so um it, it just depends but in general i would say uh you're right the the forehand will typically play the deuce court okay over to the men's side of the doubles uh, men's that is Ivan uh, mm -hmm. Dorig and Austin Krajcek defeated Xander Schill and Joran Fliegen. Uh, I hope I'm not butchering all these names. Uh, it was a comfortable win. You did touch upon it at the beginning of this show that there were quite a few comfortable victories, if you like, a lot of straight sets wins. Uh, this one mm -hmm. happened to be 6-3, uh, 6-1. Um, it was Dodig's third major men's title, and it was the first for Krajcek. And just before we went live, uh, I mentioned uh, Austin Krajcek. Uh, one of the doubles pairings that won it, of course, or one of the one of the two players that did win the title. And I asked you, is he a relation of Richard Krajcek? And by the wonders of of the internet, will you found out the answer to that? So, uh, drum roll, is he related to Richard Krajcek? <laughs> it says he is a distant cousin. So somehow, <laughs> some way, he is related. In Ireland, uh, by the way, Will, you just have to have a Guinness with somebody and then you're suddenly a distant cousin of theirs. So I don't know whether that's the same in the Netherlands or the US, but um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I can't speak to that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Austin, uh, he lives actually near me in the, in the Dallas area um, and played college tennis at Texas A&M. And 
he so we've and got a guy called Austin living in Texas. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so so he and Dota made the final last year, and I believe I remember watching that match against um, Arevalo and Roger, and I believe they had one or two, uh, maybe more set point or match points uh, in the second set. Um, they had won the first set. They ended up losing six three in the third. Okay. Uh, but they were the better team for the majority of that match. So it was, um, you know, kind of good to see them come back and, and win it this year because they were so, so close mm. last year, especially for Austin, who doesn't have a, a major before this year. Um, and yeah, I mean, they were the better team, uh, obviously winning 6-3, 6-1 in that final. Um, it was a very straightforward final for them. Uh uh, you know, I don't. I know they've worked with uh, Phil Farmer for um, a long time, uh, who used to work with the Bryan brothers, and he clearly had a really good game plan for them. And um, yeah, it was a straightforward victory. Will um, any other double stories from the French Open uh, that you'd like to bring to our attention? Um, so after the match. Dodig, uh, not a lot of people saw this. Hanlon actually had to tell me because um, I had to leave after uh, the first set, I believe, because um, I was out of town. Uh, so they they started showing the men's doubles on NBC here in the States, and then they flipped it over to, to Peacock and you had to stream it. Oh. And so nobody was watching it at that point, except probably Hanlon and a few others. And um <laughs> They showed uh, the the post match um, interviews, and Dodig went last. And at the very end of his uh, his interview, he called out the tournament because apparently he had been taking a taxi to the tournament every day. They didn't mm-hmm. have transportation for him, and he's okay. won that. He's won Roland Garros before. Uh, it was his third major. Um, so he essentially just said, and his English isn't perfect, so I, I didn't get all of it, but mm-hmm. he was essentially, it sounded like he was saying, you have to do better. Like, this is ridiculous. I'm a major champion and you can't even provide transportation to, for me, um, to play in the, in the tournament. Uh, so I found that, uh, I don't know, a bit of drama kind of interesting and, you know, good for him for calling him out. Cause that is insane that he should be taking a cab to to the tournament. Well, um, it's not French Open related, but of course we have had uh, different complaints about respect, shall we say, regarding yeah. what happened in Madrid a few weeks ago when uh, we had the women's doubles uh, final, which was Azarenka and someone. You're going to have to tell me who Azarenka's partner was. Uh, Hadad Maya. Yeah. Okay, right. Azarenka had a mile. That's a great combination, by the way, in terms of mm-hmm. uh, abilities, at least up against Pagula and Goff. So they, uh, to those that, that aren't aware, there was no after-match uh, speeches from either players and it was sort of seemed like a pretty rushed affair as well. Mm-hmm. There are sort of three topics and the third one is the one I'd like to get your thoughts on, Will, because I, I think it may well be relevant and hasn't really been spoken about. The other two topics are, I do think there's a discord between uh, players and the media. And I think that both tours are responsible for this. I've been in the environment where I've tried to speak to players and I sometimes wonder if the messages are being passed on, let's say. I think there's mm-hmm. a bit of a fear factor that is created by the the two factors here, players and uh, organizations. I've been in newsrooms as well where that factor is involved. I've also been waiting uh, in a newsroom for a potential press conference that never came. The next day, I'm told that um, the player didn't want to do it. I don't necessarily believe the authorities that they ever asked said player, if I'm honest. Um, uh, But anyway, I just don't know. But there's a discord. So that's the first thing. And I do think it's relevant to that lack of speeches as well. I think that maybe they just thought that because there's no relationship going on between the three factors here. They Maybe they just didn't ask the players, whereas the players, of course, would like to give some sort of speech afterwards. The second element, of course, is the the, 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 the significant possibility, possibly more in Madrid, given the nature of the tournament and certain other things, that there is a sort of, oh, it's just the women. So, boom, 
And I think that's been spoken about a lot. And, and, and I'm probably not in a position to, to expand further. And that's been spoken about in depth and, and intelligently by people that are far closer to that matter than I am. The third element, mm-hmm. and perhaps it's one that we've neglected, Will, is the fact that it was a doubles final as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It was on a Sunday so, afternoon just before Alcaraz was playing against Struff in the singles final. So I think, you know. Right. Yeah, so this is something we, we've talked about on this show before, uh, and that is it seems like the U.S. respects doubles slightly more than a lot of the, the European uh, tournaments. Um, and I've talked to multiple players on, on both tours who have told me they feel like, they don't know for sure, but they feel like um, the attendance is a little better in the U.S., for their doubles matches. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, you were in, were you at Indian Wells this year? Yeah. Oh, it was, the attendance was incredible. Um, mm-hmm. Every single doubles match was uh, kind of one in one out. Like you couldn't find a seat. Um, so yeah. And, and then there was this tweet uh, by Ben Rothenberg. Um, I saw the day after the doubles uh, men's doubles final. Krychek just hit number one. Um, number one in the world in doubles. He's okay. the 20th U.S. Uh, doubles player to reach number one in the world. And the next closest country has four. So that success in the U.S. in terms of doubles um, hasn't been even close to matched by any other country as well. So maybe all of this kind of feeds into each other. Um, but yeah, that I remember uh, seeing the the tweets and instagram posts and stuff by uh azarenka as well as um i I think coco or jessica or maybe both uh shared some feelings about it um yeah and they weren't allowed to speak after their uh their match which is very very unusual um yeah i i i i there's a fourth possibility as well and i and i i think all are are distinct anyway and I just think that that it's also perhaps an organizational thing. I mean, there were there were other issues during that tournament. I was there um, pretty much from from day one to day fourteen. I had a great time because I think Madrid is a great city, and there's so many things there. By the way, they're actually pretty well organized, but there's lots of other things that are fairly chaotic, as they are at all tournaments. By the way, I've not mm-hmm. found one tournament that's necessarily any better. Sometimes the organization is a bit is really good, but that means they're not flexible. If, if yeah. you like, and and you get organizations and then you get strictness and, and everything has to be run and that's fine. But then people get thrown out of crowds because they're not wearing the right T-shirt or whatever. So there are yeah. pros and cons, in my opinion, to every tournament. But um, one of the one of the things I felt I felt through th- across the three tournaments that I covered quite closely uh, mm-hmm. in in the uh, on the Iberian Peninsula between the beginning of April and beginning of May was this discord and i don't think that it can be ignored regarding the doubles players either because i i'm telling you now i would have loved there to have been a press conference with both the winners and losers i would have loved to have had a one-on-one i'm i was putting my hat in rings left right and center i was going Mm -hmm. more in and out of rings than a magician so um i was really keen to talk to players and i even i even said before the women's doubles final i said will there be a press conference afterwards and i got a flat out no as i'd got off often before with other requests now i'm Mm. small i'm i know i'm a a small youtube channel but the desire is there there are people Mm. that are putting blocks in the way now i don't think the players are innocent either will and 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 i'll give you an example of that we don't speak to them when they lose rarely yeah yeah Um, yeah i I know the majors they're made to but at the uh aside from the the major tournaments the other tournaments, they and even when they win there's a sort of if you fancy talking to the media and yeah. I think it, I think there's a, there's a communication issue here as well, because I, I get it. I get it. I probably wouldn't fancy it, but if somebody sort of tapped me on the head and said, by the way, without this, this sport will die. The yeah. sport will, or, or will recede. And right. it, it, we, whether it be you, you with your podcast and your website and all the other things that you do for certainly for doubles in particular, I know I'm a very tiny thing in the whole thing, but all of this, these are little, there's a little drops, if you like, that make up 
yeah, and they give matter. the exposure that the players need so that they can have phenomenal, uh, you know, prize money. And mm. I'm more than happy for that. But I just think that that somebody needs to to, to do something, and these the fear factor needs to go uh, somehow, yeah. and also the understanding that. And I do think it's it contributes to these the lack of the speeches that we had on the court afterwards as well. So you you had a did you have a media pass at, at Madrid? Yeah. Yeah, I had a media okay. pass for Estoril, Barcelona, which was both both ATP, and then Madrid, of course, which is both. So the tournaments here, I, I typically will put in like requests before the match, right? Is that That's how right. it worked there? That's exactly and how so, it worked. So you put in a request for the winner of the doubles final, and they just took I, I put in a request before the final started to say if I could speak to, but I, you know, I just, first of all said press conference, because I thought they're not going to give me a one-on-one with, you know, the, oh, for, the winners of the doubles. For, for the, doubles, for doubles, they will. <laughs> well, Madrid, trust me, that is. Oh, Madrid maybe won't, but. but I, I, I said, because I said, can I, can we, can I speak? And they said, well, okay. no, fine. I said, press huh. conference then, you know, with the not happening. Okay, fine. That was the last I heard of it. But to be honest with you, Gosh. that was the attitude I got for about, and I would say across the, let me tell you this as well, uh, on the single side, at least anyway, I mm. asked for one-on-one interviews uh, from the minute I arrived in Estoril to the day I left in Madrid, which was probably across about a month. That probably mm. included, and a lot of the times that was five or six a day, because I think I could do three on the women's side and and three on the men's in Madrid at least, and at the other tournaments, obviously entirely men. Mm. But um, I don't know, let's say a hundred requests. And I think about 96 just got ignored uh, for came to fruition. And that's great. And they're all up on YouTube and and, and, and our audience has been out there. And, and by yeah. the way, I get really positive feedback. Oh, I love and, you know, this this opportunity to get a bit close to the players. And that was just it was just four or five interviews, admittedly. But yeah. the, by the, there are others out there because I might have some of my viewers going, oh, but we saw you talk to Dominic team, blah, blah, blah. And that's true. That was in the mix zone. That's a bit different to the, you know, the one-on-ones that I had with Laura Sigmund, for example, who, by the mm-hmm. way, um, told me in Madrid that she's really trying to focus on the doubles this year uh, a mm-hmm. bit more. And, and I think she pulled out the singles, I think partly because of that at the French Open, albeit that she didn't have a great success in the doubles either. But uh, so uh, that's one thing. And, and and I don't always think the messages were being passed on. Maybe 96 mm-hmm. out of 100 just said no. But um, yeah. but there's, by the that's way, one player. One player I spoke to in defeat. So this is across all of those tournaments, all of those matches, including the requests. And by the way, I'd put a request in. You could also tick a box saying if they win or whether they win or lose. I would right. just say whether they win or lose. You know, I, I can handle yeah. that scenario. Um, mm-hmm. There was one player that I remember coming to talk to us in a mixed zone after defeat. Uh, and that was Dominic Team. Uh mm in Estoril and I, that was one little memory for me as well but anyway well if you yeah. want to react to anything that I've said I know we're coming towards the end of our time now so yeah yeah no I, I mean I, th- I think you're right like from the bigger picture um you know whether it's uh you with your YouTube channel or us um you know trying to help make doubles more popular it, even the smallest blogs you know if you're going to give uh, give out these media credentials, which you should, um, because these people are trying to grow the sport. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These interviews are, are kind of needed, um, to get exposure to, to the players. Um, and if they're not happening, especially if, if the requests are being ignored, um, which I haven't had that experience here, like the, you know, the tournaments I've been to, uh, there's two, maybe three individuals. Um, I'm not going to say them by name, but um, who I've worked with at, at, you know, whether it's Charleston or Canada or um, the WTA finals last year. Uh, and they've all been great. I mean, they've all been, you know, I'll put in four or five requests at the beginning of the day and they might come back to me and say, Hey, Jessica Bagul is going to be a tough one because she just got in town last night and has practiced mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. But we'll be able to get you these two, you know, ah. it's, it's like I at least get a response, even if it's a no, you know, rather than um, just no response at all. I, so, t- I mean, I, I, listen, I think the WTA has loads of loads of issues as well. But actually, I will say that I tended to get more success on that side than than on the men's side. As I think I requested, oh, I, like I say, probably across the three tournaments, 
I don't know, somewhere between 50 and 100 times. And, yeah. and by the way, on the media day, for example, I just said, I'll just take now. I'm small. I get that. I get it that, yeah. you know, Davidish yeah, Fakina maybe it. wants to speak to, you know, Marco, a Spanish newspaper or whatever, you know, uh, or, right. or, or, or ex-player. And, and I, by the way, I'm, I, I don't mind. I was over the moon to get Laura Sigmund. I was yeah. just delighted. I got, I also got Ostapenko, by the way, and I got Pavlyuchenkova as well. Um, yeah. they, these are sort of, of the four or five one-on-ones that I got, they, that's three of them, for example. Um, yeah. But I was finding with the ATP is really probably what I'm th- thinking of throughout the three tournaments, just saying, just sent, I was sending the email in every day and uh, I actually did follow up a couple of times saying, did you get the email? Yeah. And we'll, yeah. we'll let you know if any of these three players on your list. And yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't going for, you know, Djokovic yeah. and Nadal weren't at either tournament. I was rarely asking for Alcaraz because I know I'd get, I knew I'd get him in another scenario anyway. And, and to yeah. be honest with you, he, he you know, the, the list of, of interviews that he had was, was different. So, you know, I was, you know, aiming low, if you like, in terms of the rankings. But listen, Will, yeah. maybe it's a different scenario in North America. And um, I will, I, I would love to be in New York, but that is dependent on my uh, press pass application. And I, I, I'm also, I'm, I'm aware of, Talking tennis is standing. Uh, we're we're getting. Well, I'm off to Berlin next week for a, a WTA tournament there, which is great. Cool. Five hundred. I'm super happy with this. I've got Jamie and uh, Nick are go off to a, a WTA two fifty in, in in Nottingham as well next week, and this is this is great for the channel. I'm uh, awesome. Yeah, I, I've seen a name from somebody in the in the live chat, and I'll go see. I'll, I'll address that some other time. But um, yeah, there's a, there's an interesting point there. But um. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and but by the way, what what people are doing who are working for the ATP and WTA in terms of their media outlet, that's that's kind of okay, but it's it's not journalism. It's it's like it's like watching Manchester United television or Chelsea television or or, or sure. I'm guessing US football has their own media. You're not you're not going to get a critical view if you like uh, of or even get difficult questions posed at press conferences when when the chicago bears you know whoever their ma- website manager is is asking yeah. the coach i don't think they're going to offer ask them a tricky question um anyway listen will just any final any final thoughts on on doubles right now no um th- this kind of got me thinking and maybe we do this uh have this conversation another time but i i think a lot of the the issues that w- we talk about um uh, when I do come on are related to like all the disparate, like, you know, separate organizations that tennis is kind of working within. Nobody's kind of in sync. Um, no. and it's been interesting to follow the the golf news recently yeah. with live kind of merging with the PGA all of a sudden. And I'm just, I don't know. I'm curious where tennis is in like 10 or 20 years. Like I, mm. I've had some conversations recently with people about why live, wasn't going to work out from the start because they were just going right for the top um, golf league in the world rather than kind of building it from the ground up. And I wonder if UTR in 10 or 20 years is going to be running more high level professional tournaments. Um, Again, this is probably a conversation for another time, but they seem to be doing a lot of things right. They started with juniors then they moved up to college now they're running uh small level pro events and they're doing a great job from what i can tell and like maybe it's that type of organization that needs to end up um kind of running professional tennis globally i, I don't know there's a uh, um we're both on a on a time schedule because i've got it going to but there is a yeah there is a lack of i think awareness i actually i spoke to somebody last week who's doing a bit of research regarding fandom actually but actually we went off in mm. all sorts of directions and and actually the media and, and the role that we play in that and and the tournaments as well play and also getting the product out to the people because actually one of the points what the last things was was i was asked was just about you know with these with these four players leaving tennis you know serena and then then the big three and we've lost arguably three of the four you know stellar giants of the tournament i mean at all i know rafa's potentially going to have another year but you know what i mean so we've just got Djokovic left how much of an effect that would happen i actually i actually gave a lot of people are pretty optimistic saying yeah tennis has been fine we've lost becker and all the rest of it in the past and ed berg and navadlova and so on and so forth and i'm like yeah yeah mm. i get that um i don't think we ever lost four players like this all at the same time we've mm-hmm. also never lost these people 
in the the age that we're living in. It's a social media age and it's a very right. different age right now. We've never so I, I still think tennis will be okay, but mm-hmm. I think it could it, it, it does need to pay attention. And I don't think I don't think I think the Netflix thing, I don't know. I think you were more enthusiastic about mm-hmm. that series than I was. Um yeah. but um yeah, I think tennis needs to take care. And and I think Wimbledon, for example, charging journalists a hundred quid each for a desk. Come on. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I, I, do they need that. <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you this. Wimbledon will not go under and tennis won't fold as a sport and won't be a success because yeah. of, uh, because it lost fifty, you know, five thousand or ten thousand dollars because they didn't charge journalists for a desk. It yeah. will, it will go under if you don't get the exposure that it deserves because journalists right. are going, you know what, we're not, we're, we're not going to pay that hundred. That's silly. I mean, Madrid, by the way, 38, uh, I'll put this in dollars for, for everyone, $50 for, for a lunch for the media. Now I'm paying for that because it's my organization. So I just went somewhere else. Fine. Other organizations where the journalists are getting paid by the way, and they don't have to pay that $50. That's also fine. I get that. But when they go back to London or when they go back to Barcelona or Lisbon or where, or even New York, wherever they're coming from, and they say, by the way, here's my hotel bill and here's the, the, the food bill, by the way. And they go, what? It's a thousand euros to feed you over two weeks. Um, <laughs> we're not sending you there next year. Yeah. You know, and they're cutting off their nose to spite their face. Yeah. It's just like anyway. they have their priorities a little bit wrong. Um, so yeah, short term. Anyway, sorry, Will, for sort of going off on that direction. Oh, good. I'd love yeah. to have you on again as well, along with Hanlon, and we'll do some double stuff perhaps some sometime after Wimbledon. Yeah, absolutely. And, unless something around. major happens in between, and, and I'll be on that phone trying to get hold of you. And yeah. We may cross paths in New York as well. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know about that too. Cool. Sounds good. Thanks for having Thanks me on. Thanks so much, Will, for coming on. And to the rest of you, um, Yeah, thanks for stopping by and I'll get this video ready. You know the drill and we'll speak to each other very, very soon. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.